Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, today. Our scripture today will be from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And before we go to the Lord's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us, Father. I pray you continue to guide and be with the listener, Lord. I pray your hand be upon them. Watch over, guide, and lead them, guide, and be with them. We continue to work in their lives, Lord, and see them, Lord, as we uh, uh, continue to walk through this uh, virus, Lord, this pandemic that is spreading throughout uh, our country, Father. And I pray your hand be upon each and every one of us, Father. I know we're getting itchy to get out, Lord, and, and do things, but, Father, that we would be patient, be patient in you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you uh, bless this day, bless each and every one of us, Father, that are the, the listener, Lord, and I, I pray that you would use me, Lord, this day, that your spirit would speak through me, Father. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name I pray, Lord, let it be. Amen. Our scripture, again, comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 9, and it reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. When I was in junior high school, um, a teacher started this uh, cross-country team, and we would uh, begin to run in the mornings, and uh, we'd get to school, and we would run sprints, and then after a short while, we slowly got into the process of running a mile or two miles, and then we're slowly running a couple miles every morning, about three or four, and um, I remember the first competition was that uh, we didn't really compete against any other school, but we ran in these uh, uh, events uh, throughout the city of Phoenix and throughout the outline areas, Mesa and Tempe and um, the area around where uh, I grew up. And our first event was the Phoenix 10K and um, getting to this event was one a, a great thing. And um, we were all excited, ready to go. And uh, when you lined up to start, they didn't really start you up as you show up and you line up wherever you wanted. You lined up about where uh, you thought your mile average was. So if you ran seven minutes a mile, then you would line up in that spot or eight or nine minutes or whatever it is. And I think they went all the way down to four, even four people were running four minute miles by then. And uh, I think we started about seven or eight and we all got in a place and uh, there was about two or three that she told to go further up because they were, you know, uh, faster than the rest of the, the team. And so get to the line and uh, you could hear the person faintly say, all right, go. And you hear the gun go off and um, you're still standing there. You're still standing, waiting to get to the, the starting line. And so you're standing there, standing there, standing there. And then finally you get to go, but you don't run. 
you're just walking you kind of begin to slowly move forward slowly step forward slow slowly then a little picks up a little bit more picked up a little bit more till finally you got to the starting line and then you're walking a little bit faster now you couldn't really stretch your legs and run so finally probably about maybe a half uh, not a half mile probably about 100 yards past the start line you finally began to pick up pace and then finally you could get into rhythm and so it was not only after probably about a minute of the start time, which you actually lost a minute there, but you had to, you know, you had to uh, get to the starting line in order to even start the race. And so for us uh, in the back, it took us a while. But as we look at our, our uh, reading today, our scripture today, and, and how this relates and how I wanted to relate to what Peter is saying, um, if we look at our verses here, verses three and five, uh, pr praise and the Lord, uh, praise the Lord for his mercy. As Peter is writing his first letter, we must understand the circumstances in which he is writing. He is writing to a people in an area or a place called Asia Minor, Asia Minor, which is now today the country of Turkey, and they are living in a time where they are perceived to be the enemy. They were preaching and ministering about God, who is greater than all. He is greater than the Roman Empire in which they were living under. The emperor at the time was the, uh, a man named Nero, one of the wickedest of men to rule over the Roman Empire. Peter wants to encourage and strengthen the believer in their walk with the Lord. And in his letter, he has a starting point, And it all begins with the mercy of God, the Father. Amen. And if anyone, if anyone had the right or if anyone could talk about mercy, it was Peter. If, uh, if anyone wanted to talk about the mercy of God, Peter would be the person. Remember, by his own words, he had denied knowing who Jesus Christ was. Not once, not twice, but three times he denied knowing Jesus Christ. His friend, the one he followed, he denied knowing him and left him there. And he told Jesus emphatically, he told Jesus at one point that he would follow him to the end. He would follow him all the way and nothing would happen to him. But he failed at that. He left Jesus to die alone on the cross. But that was not held against him. In the greatest exchange that Jesus had with anyone, the greatest exchange that Jesus had was with Peter in John chapter 21, where Jesus comes back and sees Peter and asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Father, you know I do. Yes, you know I do, Lord. Yes, you know, and begins to weep and cry that Jesus had to keep asking him. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And Peter is restored into the fold of the disciples. After turning his back on his teacher and friend, Jesus Christ, Peter was now shown mercy. Peter was given mercy and restored back into the fold with Jesus Christ. He was restored back as one of Jesus Christ's disciples. And Peter in verse 3 gives us and his exhortation of God. He knows God is, is deserving of all honor and glory because he knows what the mercy is. He understands God's mercy. There's nothing that should be held back when exclaiming who God is. When you're exclaiming God, when you're telling people about God, there should be some excitement in your voice. There should be a thrill in your voice. Not like, oh, God is so good. He's so great. No, you should express it, I think. You know, you should understand who God is, you know, and express that to people. And there's nothing that should be held back when exclaiming who God is. Peter is praising God for his son. He sent to die for our sins. 
Peter knew God could have withheld that. He could have withheld his mercy from man. He could have withheld that from man and man would perish and die. But God chose not to. So he sent his son. He sent his son to, do, to, to die for us. God's mercy is, is the starting point of all things. For one, if God had no mercy, then we are nothing. We are dead and living for the sake of living with no hope for anything more than life here on earth. That's without God's mercy. Second thing, without mercy, there is no true worship of God. If mercy is taken out of the equation with God, meaning that uh, if people serve God, if people serve God without mercy, it wouldn't be service at all because you would do it within fear, in fear that God would destroy you or fear that God would punish you or fear that God would hurt you in some way. That would not be a true uh, service of God and love would be absent. People will not serve God because they love him, but because they feared for their lives if they did not serve him. God would be a tyrannical being to be feared instead of loved. But because of his mercy, we love and serve God. So mercy is where it all starts for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. With God's mercy in place, we have a new open door. We have an open door of hope. We have a new hope that, that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have for us an inheritance. People state, uh, Peter excuse me, states it as a new birth. We have come out of the old and into something new. This new thing, this new birth. This new birth is a gift from God. In his mercy he has shown his love for us. This is a gift for all to receive. But the problem is, not all will take it. Not all will receive this gift. Not all will want to receive this gift. God's gift is given to everyone. He has his hand out. He's saying, here, take it. Take my son. But there are people with their arms crossed. I'm like, eh, no, not today. I, I, I don't want to choose it today. We will surely take the keys of a new car or a gift of cash, but those things are not compared to the gift God has for us. Think about this. Eventually, the new car will become an old car. The cash will run out, but the gift of God will never pay, perish or run out. The gift of all time, which is Jesus Christ, and there are people still fighting that gift. There are people still refusing to gift and it's there every day standing there God saying here here is my son and people still refuse to accept that gift and because we have this gift in Jesus Christ because we have this new hope we are under the power of God we have the strength of God we have have uh, we are we have a, a power not of our own but a power that comes from God he shields or guides by our by our own faith our own faith in God, our own faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, we are empowered by that, that we are empowered by our faith. So by our own faith, we are guarded by the power of God until the coming of His Son and, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we, Paul, uh, Peter moves on here. Peter moves on in verses 6 and 7, and he talks about the trials in life. The things that pop up, the things that take place, the things that challenge us, the things that cause us some trouble. I started out by saying that I was part of a cross-country team at our school I attended. But before we started this uh, competing, before we started uh, running in these 10K events, 
our, t our coach began to uh, do small stuff with us. We would run laps around the track. I think we started with like a half mile, just doing, you know, light stuff, light duty stuff. And then we began uh, running longer sprints. And then uh, soon we were up to about maybe a mile, mile and a half. And then we slowly grew. We, slow, we gradually uh, uh, began the process of strengthening our legs and began uh, strengthening our bodies and getting it used to running these miles. And soon we were up to three and four miles at a distance every morning. Our, our bodies became used to all the running, and our coach then began to do something different. Because we began running these three miles and four miles every morning, she began to do something. She began to time us now. She had a stopwatch there, you know, and so she would uh, we'd run around these fields by the school, and uh, we'd go around a couple fields, and I think it was probably about two or three miles long. And she would push us to be faster. She wanted us to run faster. And so as we were running around these fields, she would drive in, in her car and she would yell out her window, come on, you can do it. Catch them. They're right there, you know, and, and to, uh, to pick it up, to go faster. And, and it really worked. You know, you, we would try and catch the person in front of us and then do so. They would try and catch the person in front of them. And that was pushing us to excel a little bit more in our, in our own running. And Peter here is doing much the same thing. He is writing to encourage the Christian brothers and sisters. He knows that they are facing or going to face some hardships. Some things are going to come up. Some things they're going to face. And they're, they're, they're facing some very tragic things. They're facing some reality. They are facing true death here. Because, remember, I had mentioned this, this uh, emperor, Nero. Nero was, was an evil, wicked ruler. And at one point, it was said that he set Rome on fire, that Rome caught fire and it burned for a couple days and it took him a long while to put the fire out. And so Nero was was uh, put in charge of, of of this fire. Excuse me. He, he was said to start to start this fire. And so what Nero did was he said, well, look, at there's this new group of of people. There's this new religious group. And they're called Christians. You know what? They're the ones that did it. They're the ones that, that burned down Rome. So let's go after them. So, the, so at that, the Christian brothers and sisters became enemy of the ruling government. The Christians began to be persecuted and killed. They were lit on fire. And so they were being, they were being sought after. And so Peter's writing to these people, telling them, encouraging them in their time of trial. And the, the, the trials we go through are, are, are good for us. And our trials are needed. And that may seem an odd thing to say. But coming back to this whole running thing. We had to train, we had to run, we had to push ourselves, we had to push our bodies. We had to make sure that we were ready for, for the time of, of, of the, our racing event. And some might say that as they come into Christianity, I thought things were supposed to be easy once I became Christian. I thought things were supposed to go smooth once I became a Christian. And the answer to that is absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you're looking for an easy way out, if you're looking for an easy Christian uh, life, or if your life is easy as a Christian, I'm telling you now, get ready. It's coming. Listen to what Paul writes about his ministry in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27. 
It says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from the false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger, thirst, and often often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. If you are looking for a, an easy Christianity, abandon ship now because there are things are going to, there are going to be trials and there are going to be temptations that are coming. It's not going to be easy. My brothers and sisters, I wish I could tell you, yeah, it's all smooth. It's all easy, but it's not. Now these trials are not for, for God. They are for us. God does not set us up to fail, but what he does want is for us to see where we fall short. Jesus was even tempted and tried. So if the devil is bold enough to tempt Jesus, do you think that we are exempt? We know that we're going to face some things in our lives, but how do we react? What should we do? Stand firm on your faith in Jesus Christ. And so for us, we, we want to make sure that we're ready. Well, someone might say, well, I might as well just not become a Christian because if I'm going to face the same things, uh, what's the point of become a Christian person? Well, here's the thing. The, at the end of all things, at the end of every trial, and at the end of every temptation, at the end of all this, we have a hope as brothers and sisters in Christ that one day we will be with him in glory. That is our hope. That is our new birth. That's where our faith lies in knowing that in one day, that one day we will be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our hope. And that's what these trials, that what the, these uh, temptations are for. And Jesus even said in John chapter 13, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In this world you are, you will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. Jesus has overcome this thing we call the world. And what he's talking about, he's talking about the sinful nature of man. He's talking about the sinful things that come up, the temptations of this world, the trials of this world, the things that stress you out, the things that worry. Guess what? Jesus has overcome them. And because we serve Jesus Christ, we are in line with that. Our faith has given us an understanding and the power and the glory of knowing who Jesus Christ is. And we stand firm on that rock in knowing that he has overcome the world. Amen. And in verse 9, Peter continues on. Peter continues on here and he talks about love and belief. When we say we love something or someone, it identify, it's identified by knowing it is there to be loved. If I say I love a person is because I can see, I can see and express that love to them. You know, when I was running, I didn't love practice so much, but I loved going to the events. I loved traveling to places I had never been to. I loved going to places that I'd never seen before. I loved going to places that that uh, I had no understanding of the surroundings or anything, just to see what was out there, just to see to get off the reservation and to go uh, and look at where uh, how other people lived. I guess would be the expression, and I love that. But in order to get there, I had to go through practice. You know, I had to practice and prepare myself to practice and get ready. 
And sometimes even when I practiced and was ready, there were times where I wasn't fully ready. I remember one time we ran in this uh, this 10K. It was in Cave Creek, Arizona. And it was really hilly, up and down, up and down. And we were just used to flat ground, and we didn't run that. And, and so we got there, and by the end of this whole 10K, my legs felt like jelly. I felt like I was wobbly and, and barely stood up. But, that, but I realized something. And our coach realized something, that our training had to change. Our training needed to change. So we would run really fast at times. We'd sprint, sprint, sprint as fast as we could. And then we'd, we'd jog. And then we'd sprint, 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 sprint. And then we'd jog. And that's how we trained for hilly sections. That's how we trained, uh, had a training portion in our, our running that would get us ready for hilly sections as we ran. And so this is what we have here all these things, all these things that we go through, all these trials that we have. We say and we come and believe and know in Jesus Christ. Our faith in Jesus Christ is real. And so should our love for him. We love the Lord for what he did on the cross. You know, there was a song by Johnny Cash. You know, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And I can only speak for myself. I was not there when they crucified my Lord. I was not there to see the empty grave, nor was I there to see the nail-scarred hands. But that does not diminish the fact that I love the Lord for what he did for me on the cross. I believe in his written word that everything is stated in his word is true and that his word stands forever. Amen. My love is not based on physically seeing my Lord. My love is based on my faith that Jesus Christ was the son of God and he died for a sinner like me. Praise the Lord. That's where my love comes. My love is based on my faith. My love is based on my belief in God's word. And so with that, all of that should be a reflection. All of that should be a reflection in our lives. All of that loving God and believing in his word. And we should have something within our lives. Something in our lives to encourage us and move us forward. Charles Spurgeon used to say, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Amen. It's not enough that we long for heaven during times of suffering because anybody can do that. What Peter is saying is to exercise love, faith, and rejoicing so when, so that when we might express, experience some of the glory of heaven today in the midst of our trials and temptations here on earth so that we would express all these things, that our love and our faith, would we would express all those things so that we might experience that, experience some of that heavenly uh, home that we have. And for us today, brothers and sisters, we come knowing that and believing in Jesus Christ. I want to finish up with this. Back to the cross country again. The greatest joy of any race is finishing. The greatest joy that we have, if you've ever been in any competition, is finishing. I'm pretty sure winning's there, but I, that was fell, I fell really short of that. But finishing. Having done this 10K, I remember we were getting to the finish line. I was running with a friend of mine, and he took off from me. And he, he, he left me in the dust, as, it was, as we say. And I took off with him, and, and he got there, and I got there. And I was like, oh, you know, I was, I was happy to finish. But I said, what would you take off for? He said, I just wanted to finish fast. He said, 
And so I was like, oh, okay. And for us, brothers and sisters, let's finish fast. Let's finish strong. Let's finish with the great zeal in our life, a love for Jesus Christ. Amen. And so for each and every one of us, if you're going through some things, if you're going through some trials, if you're going through some things that stress you out, some worries or any of these things, remember, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Trust in the Lord. Stand firm on your faith. Stand firm on Jesus Christ and who he is, the Savior of the world. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us, Father. I pray you continue to guide and lead us, guide and be with each and every be with each and every one of us, Lord. I pray that you be with the listener, Father. Watch over and be with them, Lord. Whatever they're they're uh, going through, whatever troubles they may have, Father, I pray your hand be upon them, Lord. Be with each and every one of us, Lord. Be with us as a country, Lord, as a country as we go through this pandemic, as we go through this uh, uh, this illness that is sweeping over the country, Father. We know. Know you are in control of all things, Father, and I pray your hand be upon each and every one of us, Lord. Guide us and lead us. Guide us and be with us, Lord, as we come through this, as we go through this, Father, that we would change as people, that we would change as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, for you have spared us from this, Father. You have spared us from this virus. You have kept your hand, Lord, and I pray you, uh, you continue to guide and be with each and every one of us, Lord. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name I pray, Lord. Let it be. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Um, and continue. I will continue. If you have any prayer requests, please let me know. Email me. Um, I'll put the email again at the bottom of the page. I did get a couple email requests. Um, so been praying on those. Um, and may the Lord bless you this week. Go in peace. You are, uh, I, I say in the church, you are dismissed. Amen. <laughs>